All right, guys, we're back for another ship chasing mini-sode on the clock here, 13.05 in our first slow main event draft on FFPC for the year. I will recap our team up to this point, and then you will see the dilemma we have here once again. So our squad through 12 rounds, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, T. Higgins, Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman, Kyler Murray, Devonta Smith, Devin Singletary, Garrett Wilson, Chase Claypool, Michael Carter, and Kenneth Gainwell, who we were very excited to fall to us there in the 12th did we were we on the clock when we took Gainwell last time or was that like a a a hanging we talked through Carter we're we're bearing the lead here like the last time that people have heard of us heard from us we were like oh god who do we pick do we pick Gainwell do we pick Carter we got both of them we got Gainwell he came all the way back somehow so it was a celebration in our chat and a snap it was we didn't really need to record we I couldn't remember when, so when we, where we were. So had we just were we on the, the clock, clock at Carter? We, Carter? we ranked. Okay. We ranked all the players. We didn't okay. have a choice. Yeah. Then we, yes. we picked Carter by total default, and then Gainwell somehow came back. Who I think and and graded out. Price and Algier go two of the next three picks, and we're like, fuck. And then Gainwell yeah. goes all the way back to us. I was looking at the command center, and I'm pretty sure as soon as those running backs went, or maybe even before, we had a 1% chance to get Gainwell. So we're just, like, sweating this 1% chance as it wraps back around. And somehow so Carter we got after ADP. Uh, Singletary was 10 picks after ADP. I think Gainwell must have been at least 10. I think I think Carter was probably, like, at least 8. I mean, all three of these guys we wound up getting just scooping up value. Value hounding it left and right, and oh. beautiful running backs <laughs> as a result. It and we you'll see this happen in drafts too, where like if you are one of the few zero RB teams, like there comes a point in the draft where, and we saw it here in the twelfth round, these teams are like, all right, we got to get some wide receivers, we want to get our second tight ends here, and that naturally pushed down some running back targets to finally being values. And we were kind of talking about it, how like the sexy zero RB guys, you can see Eli Mitchell, Tony Pollard, Penny, Ken Walker. Those guys all came at a premium there. The seventh round to get Gainwell, you know, 12 rounds later when you can make a case that it's a fairly flat tier as far as like contingent upside from round seven, all the way down to round 12. Yep. And I think one of the, I mean, one of the, tie breaks for us on Carter was he did have the highest ADP. It felt like there was almost no shot he'd get back. Gainwell was next highest. Although at the very end of that episode, I think when we looked at the most recent drafts, he was the fourth of the group, but we, I think Pete, you were saying there's maybe a 20% chance one of them would come back. So we, we sort of in part broke the tie. Look, we'll go with the guy that has the highest ADP. Maybe we get lucky and, sl- and it slips. I think I, I thought it would be Tyrion Davis, Price or Algier. So people maybe not buying into one of the rookies. They went right away. But Gainwell coming all the way back was just – I mean, it does speak to a nice uh, maybe minor strategy thing. If you really can't decide, take the high ADP guide. Maybe you get lucky on a slip. Yeah, and yeah. also, like, it, we're doing so ahead, many Matt. drafts. That I, I think it made a lot of sense to grab Carter. I did rank Algier as my top target, <laughs> the guy that I wanted us to draft. So. But Carter was second, and part of that was just, like, the ADP value. We're doing so many drafts that getting these guys at good prices, you know, if you let the room – help you break ties and you're doing more than one of these, then, you know, hopefully you'll, you'll get the guys you want, but you won't be reaching as much. I also think there was, I mean, last year we did end up very heavily concentrated on a lot of guys and it, it, it is this, we, we kind of talked about it too, where it's, 
it's tough, right? Because you have your guys, these are $1,800 main event drafts. You know, you want to bet uh, on the guys you like and you want to get a bunch of them. On the other hand, we still want to draft with some humility. Know that even if we think one guy's a slightly higher probability bet than the other, like that outcome isn't going to always pan out. And kind of using ADP to lead you to natural diversification and allow you to build stronger teams than you would otherwise, like as the season progresses, get more closing line value. I do really think that's something that we're going to layer in this year. That's really going to help our portfolio of teams. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we don't always bring the most humility to these drafts, but I think the last episode was about as humble as it gets. We, we did not know who to pick. <laughs> I was like asking other people like, who's, you got you have a lead on this guys? So yeah. Uh I'm I'm just I'm so psyched that we got two of them because that was the whole thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to break these ties. These guys are all like sort of the same bet. So to get Carter and Gainwell is just well, so and even nice. Going way back to Singletary, Pete was talking about if we can get three guys through this range, we'd be pumped. We got that great claypool value. Part of why I didn't want to take claypool as much as you guys did was I, I wanted to try to get two of those backs. You guys really started the value hounding there in in a really positive way. Cause I, I said to you guys later, I, I think if we go running back there instead of Claypool, just our pick probably influences things enough that game doesn't come back to us at 12. We don't get three guys in this group. Just flip our one. I mean, that alone probably takes, you know, maybe makes Gainwell our pick in the 11th, frankly. Right. So uh, taking the Claypool value there, being willing to take the falling wide receiver, we still wound up with the three running backs at, at 12.08. So definitely a, a really nice run up. Yeah, and our, our little sweat here coming back on the wrap, um, I was getting a little excited about the chance of Khalil Herbert falling to us. I, I definitely have Gainwell ahead of Herbert, but I, I think Herbert is kind of now in like another mini tier as far as this next batch of zero running back targets. And so I was bummed to see him going. I mean, if we were able to tack on Herbert in the 13th, that would have felt like yeah. a real coup. It would have, but um, that we now find for sure. We now find ourselves at a, an interesting spot here. I'll pull up the uh, the road of his command center and look at some of these names that we're looking at. As usual, disregard Kenneth Walker. Uh, he is gone. But you know, just in here, we're looking at James Robinson, J.D. McKissick. Oh, I have this filtered to running backs, but does seem likely what we're going to do. But some other guys up here: Hunter Henry uh, and Robert Tunyon at tight end. Rogers still kicking around. Darrell wow. Williams, Brian Robinson, Marlon Mack. I mean, where are you guys at heading into this pick? Well, you kicked around the Hunter Henry idea, and it it does feel like a good range for tight end two. My thought was with Pitts and with it being a zero RB and with it being July, that I'm not that I'm a little more comfortable not taking that time to. I, t- I typically do like a solid tight end two and tight end premium, but to really be trying to load up on the running back. Uh, lotto tickets, as many as we can, and then potentially hitting a tight end two very late. We know Pat loves a guy very late that would be a fun add to this team. There's a couple other uh, young dudes. I, I think like Trey, Trey McBride is an option back there. I think um, who's the other young guy? I said, oh, Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan. How late he goes. And then I think uh, John U. Smith is a, is a worthwhile consideration as well as more of a vet that if his role changes a little bit, he was still pretty good on a, like a per opportunity basis last year, just needs sort of the role change has the contract is going to play. Hopefully he's just not blocking as much when you make that bet, 
But for a lot of those types of guys, we could cut early. I mean, McBride, we should get information on early because Hopkins is is suspended. Dulcich, we should get information on early. Um, you know, Brevin Jordan, probably information on early. So I'm I'm leaning more towards we can kind of punt tight end two late or even potentially not take a tight end two to continue just trying to stockpile running back picks. Yeah, and the the thing that really resonates with that uh, take for me is just the idea of like the running backs are really the only picks left on the board that can massively jump in value between now and September. As much as we like Hunter Henry, like, I don't know, Jacoby Myers, I would never wish this upon him, Ben, uh, Katera's ACL, <laughs> and Hunter Henry isn't even moving up that many spots. So no. just from like that pure standpoint of like how could we supercharge our team, I definitely agree that the running backs offer kind of the higher upside there. I do too. I guess the argument for Henry would be he's already a faller, right? Yeah. He's the, the biggest value on the board. So if we're getting – you know, a share that maybe, yeah, maybe he doesn't climb by a ton, but this could still be one of the cheaper prices that, you know, a team is getting on him. Uh, but I obviously agree that there's no chance Hunter Henry, like, jumps into the ninth round for some reason. Like, that's not – he's priced where he's priced. Um, so taking advantage of all the uncertainty, you would want to hammer running backs. I think the issue is, like – what running back? Because we were we were kicking around Marlon Mack. Uh, he's not exactly the archetype of, of a guy who would skyrocket in value. Maybe if Pierce sprains his ankle or something, and it's like, okay, Mack's got this. The early down roll, locked down. Maybe he would jump up to the ninth or tenth or something. But um, you know, he's not that exciting as far as a contingent play goes. And I don't really see anybody that's all that exciting. Uh, I guess Deontay Foreman has a ton of contingent value, but he's a, he's also kind of an early down guy himself. So there's no like real you know, credit credit to the other drafters here. They, they didn't leave anyone with like a, a massive ceiling. It's funny too, because this there's this same spot that you hit in an underdog draft. And I generally really dislike this band of running backs. And then I really like a lot of the 18th round guys in the guys that sometimes go undrafted, you know, we're talking down into the Sony, Michelle Haskins, McKinnon, Eno, Drake, Dearness Johnson, Beatty. Like these names are all way more interesting to me than like the names up ahead of it. It's which so, is maybe that, why Chris Evans just went in our draft. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Somebody else was feeling the same way and went down for Chris Evans. I'll make a case for Mac in that there's, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but there's this thought that maybe with Achilles, it's not the the next year back, but the second year back where they can get some of their explosiveness back. We saw it with Deontay Foreman last year. He's still only 26. Before he tore his Achilles, he had back-to-back 1,000 total yard seasons for the Colts. There's, I, I think there's this possibility that if he looks explosive in the preseason, we're thinking of him as their, you know, their lead back, their guy um, by the end of August, or at least the fantasy community is. And then that would, I think – I don't think people would go crazy about Marlon Mack as a lead back in Houston, but the fans community has t- tended to like Marlon Mack's talent, I think, over the years, more than some, probably they should have at times over the last couple of years, like after they drafted Jonathan Taylor. But uh, I do think he would have the potential to jump into like the ninth round by the end of August if we get you know, an indication that either A, he's going to be the lead back, or B, and we were kicking around some reports from the teams. It sounds like they're looking at a committee for sure. 
But if he if it looks like he might be solidifying some momentum toward being the lead back at least early in the year, or B, he looks explosive enough that that suddenly looks like the right bet to make, and maybe Damian Pierce isn't coming along as quick because they don't have a, a deep running back room. It's basically those two, Burkhead, who's probably going to play a decent amount, and then it's like Royce Freeman and uh, Daria Gumbawale. I mean, there's not a lot else there. So the, yeah. if Mac is healthy and explosive and Pierce is a fourth-round rookie, Mac, I think, would have a shot to, to potentially consolidate some work, in the, at least in the early part of the year. I was starting to get excited about picking Mac, and then I, I messaged Rivers McCown, who is one of the, the guys over at uh, NBC with me, and he he like watches all the Texans games for us. Like when we do the recap pod, it's always Rivers covering the Texans. He's like a diehard Texans fan. I don't know how he does it. I mean, he clearly it's clearly like getting it's just like destroying his soul how much he <laughs> Texans and, and and what they've been doing. But he stays up to date with like all the Texan stuff. So I asked him, you know, what he thought the backfield split would be, and he came back with Burkhead at fifty five percent. 30 Mac, 15 Pierce. He's like, if I had to put a chip anywhere, that's that's what it would be on. Don't love that. Don't love the idea of yeah. Burkhead leading this backfield. I mean, you know, and he was saying he thinks that they trust Burkhead as a passing down back, and eventually Pierce is going to eat into the role. I think in his profile, that might come for Mac early down touches a little bit first. He's not like a, a great pass catching type. He's okay as a pass catcher, but you know, as a rookie displacing the veteran pass block so where, pass catcher might be tough. Where would you be at right now, Pat? So I think, you know, Chris Evans just went. First of all, I think Max didn't play. I don't want to say like he's not, but but yeah. that made me at least think about it. But with Chris Evans going, I think we have permission to take basically any running back that we want. And so I would say Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon. Interesting. The The one thing I was thinking through here is because we are in this interesting range where like some of the screeners I'm doing is like a, almost all these now are like three man backfields where even like the contingent upside is pretty muddied. Um, that's why Deontay Foreman is kind of interesting because that does feel like, I don't know, maybe people still believe in Chuba Hubbard, but I pretty feel strongly Foreman would carry the load there if CMC went down. So that's kind of attractive to me. Um, and then the other thing I'm looking at is what kind of production we're looking for. Like the Marlon Mack and Mark Ingram types, they could start for us out of the gate, you know, when we need production because we think they're going to get some touches there. Or do we go with a McKissick type, a Jamal Williams type being like, hey, let's just get that pass catching floor. Or do we take the big cut um, again? That's I, I think McKissick through. you brought up, and I think he would be my second pick. But I'm I'm questioning that aspect of it. Do we need, um, do we need that pass catcher when you have uh, Carter and Gainwell already on the roster? Because I, I kind of feel like they're that guy with a little bit more juice, and we'd be fine starting them. What so like does he McKissick, bring enough? I'd rather take Hunter Henry than a guy like McKissick because he doesn't have any contingent value. You know, I like Jamal Williams. I'm not taking much Jamal Williams, but. He does have contingent value. You know, maybe he has uh, a committee role. But if DeAndre Swift were to be out for a few weeks, like, he, he wouldn't be, like, the most exciting guy. But you'd be plugging him into your DFS lineups and stuff. So, whereas, like, McKissick, Gibson goes down. We're expecting Robinson to pick up a, basically all the slack. Um, 
so yeah, that's, I think like, I'm trying to think about guys that could move up in value a lot. Uh, it's Pete's point earlier. McKinnon maybe isn't like the perfect example of that, but I do think there's a scenario where they're like, yeah, McKinnon seems to be in the same passing down role that we last saw him in, in the playoffs. And then it's like, there's no way he's going in the 13th. Yeah, that's fair. I guess yeah. I would hope we could maybe get him on the way back. Is that, that's, that's my only, that's my only thing. And I, I know you can make an argument either way, like Pat said. And I mean, uh, Chris Evans went and he, his ADP was really far down here. So we could see some random stuff of people just grabbing their preferred guys. Um, I do think if we think it's close, similar to the Carter Gainwell spot, like let's, let's take the guy with the, uh, the higher ADP, you know, just to see if we can get both. Do you think it's yeah. close? I think McKinnon's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I think that's an interesting call. I think I mean, once I Evans McKinnon. goes, it's like the, yeah, the heat game is over. <laughs> like people are just taking their guys. Uh, and I also think McKinnon in particular is a guy that people are going to be nervous to trust. The, I mean, I certainly feel nervous to trust the ADP on McKinnon because it's kind of like, I mean, I know this is what we're looking, looking at for command center is pretty recent, but he's a guy that I feel like people still sort of forget about. Like the ADP is taking a little bit longer than I thought it would to adjust up. Um, but some people are like, oh yeah, McKinnon. Why don't I take him here? Like I like McKinnon more than Marlon Mack. Why would I take McKinnon? You know, so I don't know. Because there is a decent be, shot you could get both, but you're right. We could miss out on McKinnon. So how much more do you? I, I yeah. think I like McKinnon. If they were at the same spot, I'm with you. I would take McKinnon because I want the big swing with the the three running backs we've already gotten. I, I totally am following what you're thinking. I'm trying to think through if it's worth giving up the possibility of getting him plus Mack or him plus McKissick. And that's what I'm kind of thinking too. Like I I'm fine passing on McKissick just because I do think we have a pretty good pass catching floor with Singletary Carter in Gainwell. I think I, the more we talk this through, I would maybe push for Foreman just again, that thesis that he would benefit from an injury the most, like he would probably become a fifth round pick if Christian McCaffrey, you know, got hurt. Um, whereas I don't know if I could project a jump that big for, for any of these other guys. And so I just like that pure contingent thing to have, you know, six weeks, seven weeks of him just chilling out for us. And then he can just be an easy cut yeah. um, when the season starts. That's kind of attractive to me. I think Jamal Williams has a bit more contingent value than Foreman. Uh, like if, if Swift was out, don't you think Williams would be like a better DFS play than Foreman? Um, yeah. I think he'd catch more passes. I think I, I, I liked the Foreman call. Now I like the Williams call. I'm just sitting here agreeing with everything. You I guys think are they're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make whoever Ben heard. Uh, I've been. Ben heard I've been. The last thing that someone says, I'm gonna be in on. <laughs> who's the? Uh, yeah, I guess the who's that? Uh, the other Detroit running back is it Ferguson or? It's uh, Jamar Jefferson. Jamar um, Jefferson. But it doesn't sound like. Ben Raven was on a good football show with us and he was not particularly high on Jamar Jefferson. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of options that we like. We don't really care about which, I mean, Foreman and Jamal Williams could come back too. So now that makes me actually go back to McKinnon. If McKinnon's the guy we really want, like maybe we still get McKinnon Foreman, you know, McKinnon Williams. 
there in my guess is like we already saw it happening on that other side of the board and we actually need to uh to wrap this up to go do a co-manager call for another one of our teams here but i will say like we're in this kind of gross range for running backs clearly and we already saw this side of the board um be ready to pivot to other positions because they all have four or five six running backs i i don't mind just taking a guy we all like which is clearly mckinnon i i like mckinnon a lot and then just knowing like we're probably gonna get a Deontay Foreman or Jamal Williams coming back. I would throw out Mostert too as an arbitrage on Mac, where it's like it's the same yeah. exact play, yeah. three way backfield probably, early down roll. Um, we can get that type of player later. Let's take the swing on McKinnon. That's what you're saying, yeah. right? Mostert yeah. could yeah, be, exactly. Could also be one like, that falls next round. Mac and Mostert are the same guy. Foreman and Williams are the same guy, but McKinnon. I mean, he might be the passing down back on the Chiefs. Like, there's there's no arbitrage passing down back on the Chiefs available right now. Yeah, you don't have to sell me to get a piece of that. Like, my thesis all in early drafts was, like, McKinnon could be this year's Fournette. Like, the veteran on a good team who smashed and everyone discounts for whatever reason. You know, I mean, McKinnon was yeah. awesome in the playoffs. Um, he was awesome. And I know they were slow to bring him back, but it doesn't change the fact that they're not going to use Rojo and pass it catching situations and like ch is like one bad snap away from just being exiled forever and this build needs pure upside to add to it and and mckinnon is the most exciting upside scenario we've talked about ch's career yards per hour runner is significantly lower than rojo's like he's been straight up horrific on passing (laughs) yes that's funny that's because people yeah it is it's like it's like below what rojo's like 1.2 yards per hour run in his career because he can sometimes catch a screen and, and he gets moving CH just doesn't do anything. All right. We're going to draft Derek McKinnon. We'll figure out uh, our next uh, running back coming back. We are no longer the value hounds. We are the I know better guys uh, taking Derek McKinnon here. (laughs) Boom. We will see you guys uh, next time on the mini sounds. Peace.